0: Welcome to the Dolan Diaries, a show for creators of all stripes to think deeply about their art and its place in culture. My goal with this show is to encourage you to gain clarity, movement, alignment, and focus. You are a leader, whether you know it or not. Will you claim your voice and speak truth? Let's crush fear, stop complaining, stop comparing, drop the excuses, and take this creative life seriously. I'm your host, Jeff Dolan, and in this episode, I'm back from Lisbon and ready to share about it with a new friend all the way from Vienna. All show notes will be at jeffdolan.com slash podcast. Please subscribe to the show, follow me on all the socials, and let's get into it. All right, I'm back from Lisbon, Portugal, and Wow. What an amazing once-in-a-lifetime experience. I'm so grateful and excited to share some of my reflections on the trip with you. To help me do that, I've invited one of my new friends and fellow winner at the Red Bull Future I/O Academy, Jan Leitenbauer, who lives in Vienna, Austria. Jan is a film and video editor there and is the kind of guy who makes the world a better place. He's so much fun, and I cannot wait for you to meet him. We immediately hit it off talking about Bitcoin and all things crypto, as well as what the future might bring. One thing that struck me on the trip, besides the beautiful cobblestone streets, people, and history of Lisbon, is what camaraderie we found in all of the filmmakers and futurists on the trip. It didn't matter what language we spoke, where we were from, or how young we were, we would all find ourselves singing Mr. Blindside by The Killers at the top of our lungs and having deep conversations about life and liberty until the wee hours of the morning. Red Bull did not spare any expense, and I can honestly say it was life-changing. Let's listen in on my recent conversation with Jan. So how are you? Uh,
1: Yeah. (laughs) So I'm a little bit hungover, um, but in general I'm doing pretty fine.
0: (laughs) Nice, nice. Well, good, man. Well, hey, this is super exciting. So so you're in Vienna, and uh, I'm in the U.S., and we we met at the Red Bull IO Academy in Lisbon, Portugal, and I thought this would be a great time not just to catch up as friends but also to kind of recap, especially for our listeners, like what happened in Lisbon. I mean, I kind of left my listeners hanging a little bit because – I I recorded a podcast right before I left. Yeah, and then I uh, and then I haven't I haven't shared anything really because it was such a great experience. I just wanted to be present the whole yeah. time.
1: <laughs> it, it, I know what you mean, and there wasn't that much time, right? For us, true, like true to to to, to produce more content because we were so uh, we had to work on our pitches for Sunday, right?
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. We had workshops and all sorts of activities and dinners and meals and man. Yeah. It was really fun. It was really, really well done too. What was your, um, so, so when you landed now, now just so everybody (laughs) listening understands the context here, like there were 20 kind of finalists that got selected out of the over a thousand entries into this. And you were the wild card winner.
1: Like there were two wild cards. And one wild card was uh, by popular vote or by vote, and one wild card was a wild card by smart.
0: Oh, yeah. Who was the other wild card winner then?
1: I think it was the one with the baby. <laughs> I think it was the one with the baby in space, with, with oh. the great uh, animations.
0: Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, we'll have to look up who that is.
1: Um,
0: yeah, I've got the. I've actually got the book here. They, they printed out this amazing graphically designed um book on all of the filmmakers and the the uh that they gave out at the premiere night. It is really awesome. Uh okay I'm looking at that. So We Create Future by Nick Son in Ukraine. Was he the one? Yeah. Okay. Yeah the People's Choice Wildcard. Yeah, you're right. Cool. Yeah, and I totally bonked on this. I thought I was one of two Americans and, it, and then I get there, and everyone's like, you're the only American, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so you got picked as kind of the second wild card. I didn't realize that. Tell everybody, like, what happened there. Because you you had a really cool idea that it was so good that it didn't even need visuals in the actual entry, right? <laughs>
1: So so this is funny because I had literally no time setting this up. And um, what I did at the start was that I made a text and it was just like subtitles, right? And I just used footage from other content, right? I just uh, downloaded other videos and used their content. But of course, I couldn't uh, upload this because uh, it's against the rules to use third-party material. So I was searching for somebody to do the animation But I couldn't find someone to do it, especially for free, because I couldn't, like, pay a full uh, animator at at the time just for this entry, right? So um, I didn't want to to upload it at all, basically, at first, because I was like, okay, I didn't find anybody, so why even participate? I just have text, right? (laughs) Um, But I did it, and I'm (laughs) I'm really happy that I did it. But uh, I was definitely... uh, not giving it even a 1% or a 0.1% chance. Uploaded it and forgot about it and thought I would never hear about it again. I was pretty sure. <laughs> I would have bet money on it that I would not win. Like, totally.
0: Right, right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I kind of thought the same thing. I mean, I, I entered and if I didn't have my friend at the tech hub that where I work mention it to me and, and really push me to do it, holler to David out there, I wouldn't have done it and yeah. then when i did do it it was kind of like all right moving on with life you know <laughs> yeah um so it was super surprising right so so you you didn't have any visuals you just had text and then
1: <laughs> basically what i did i i had a video with material that i couldn't use and what i did that is i deleted everything from the timeline where i didn't have the rights which was everything except the subtitles (laughs) and and even i I used three different songs i used i deleted those three songs and i just put up a a song from my a short movie that i directed uh, during my master studying and because i had the rights on that song so i just dropped it and hit export and exported the timeline
0: tell everybody your idea real quick just so everybody has some context
1: yes so, the idea Meet Marty is about the first philanthropic self-owning car. It's a car that completely owns himself, herself, itself, um, and he generates money while, because he's a taxi or he can deliver packages, he can earn money, and he pays money because, of course, he needs some repairing, some software updates and all of that. So, it's a, it's a story that takes place in an advanced machine economy kind of world in the future, where... Cars drive themselves, but machines can also own themselves. And what makes Marty very uh, likely is, uh, uh, or sympathetic is that he is philanthropic, so his earnings he gives away and donates to charity for disabled people or for poverty or for people that don't have water. That's the idea.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, and so it went, it, during the workshop, we had to figure out how to – tell our story and you kind of already had a story built in with naming the car, Marty and meet Marty. And so it was, it was probably a little easier for you to tell that story, but uh, a lot of the other folks like me, we had to really think about it and say, okay, we have this future vision, but how do you actually put that into a tangible story? Uh, And so it was really cool to, to work with the filmmakers and they had, you know, Cannes Film Festival represented South by Southwest. Oh yeah. Really great people. And uh yeah, so they were helping us and and then of course the coaches there and the mentors there and teaching us how to structure film and story. And so we, we were able to get that into our pitch. And then when we made the pitch, that was on the final day. And I didn't even know they had like the next level of winners until like several days after I got back. I think it was my friend david again (laughs) but so somebody was like hey did you know that you won again and i was like what and i looked at the website (laughs) and I was like oh my goodness i was like how did how is that possible and it's like yeah you won mentorship like you now like they're gonna they're gonna actually keep you know (laughs) pushing you to get your your future vision you know to reality and i was like oh my gosh (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was pretty cool it was very cool and I had had several conversations there with some of the executives uh, at these large companies that you know they're they're very future thinking companies and so
1: which companies like uh SAP and Deloitte and
0: yeah yeah and, and Infineon yeah and so they uh you know I'm sharing my bloodstream.io idea and which is sensors inside the bloodstream yeah real time blood data to eliminate basically blood draws and blood testing so yeah i'm telling him all the ins and outs of some of the research i've done and some of the the theoretical future sci-fi-ness of the idea yeah. and how it yeah. came from my film and then that morphed into entering the film contest and then winning and now i'm sitting there at lunch you know beautiful overlooking the water at lisbon and we're talking all these about all these awesome technologies and he looks over at me and he's like uh, yeah, we're working on that. <laughs> he's like, he's like, uh, that that's not awesome. necessarily sci-fi. That's uh, that's yeah. like near-fi. Like, like, uh, you should probably start working on that right now. And that really got me excited. And I was like, Are you kidding me? That is crazy. And so they they weren't working on my exact idea, but they were working on similar, like sensor type technology. Yeah. They had done some experiments in the past around it and uh so it was really exciting. So, you know, I was just sitting there like, Wow, technology's moving so fast that <laughs> I better I better start working on this right now.
1: <laughs> Do you see because um we had a very optimistic and hopeful approach. Um but especially with the bloodstream thing, what dangers would you see in this piece of tech, especially when it comes to privacy?
0: Yeah, so so it actually, it's it's pretty funny how it morphed because I originally came up with the idea as a dystopian future in my sci-fi film.
1: Of course, yeah, yeah.
0: And so the dangers are basically like if you had an evil organization or government that was behind the technology yeah. that wanted to use it in a way that could potentially kill you, which is what... Uh, Infineon was saying like basically if you have nanotech in the bloodstream the number one danger is that it clots and kills you either in the brain or in the heart and uh yeah and so keeping it stable in the body is a major like yeah. hurdle or, or objection that you have to overcome right yeah and i said well he- here's some really good ideas you could put it in a stent right
1: What what is what is a stent what is it
0: uh, A stent, so let's say you have uh, heart disease and you have collapsing blood vessels in your body. Yeah. Uh, Stents basically are little mesh metal tubes that prop up your blood vessels so they don't collapse. Okay. And they stay in your bloodstream. Like once you put them in, they're stable and they don't clot or kill you or anything. (laughs) But in the sci-fi film in Phase 6, the government is secretly injecting nanotech into the bloodstream through vaccinations and medicines and makeups and all sorts of stuff, mosquito drones and like
1: sounds like something that alex jones could come up with
0: right (laughs) and so it's happening over time and then there's phases and so if you go and look at my social media feed you'll see what all the phases are but as they get to phase six they're at a critical mass where there's enough nanotech in the bloodstream where they can remotely control it like swarm technology where they can say all right we're going to get all these little nanobots and we're going to swarm them into clots that are going to give you a stroke or a heart attack yeah and it's going to look natural because because that's the number one killer in the world pretty much is heart disease (laughs) so yeah it's going to look like oh yep they just had a heart attack and that's going to be how they secretly depopulate the country because there's too much population and we're overpopulated whatever the argument is oh yeah right and so that so in the film That was how they were going to depopulate. They were going to depopulate by secretly just offing people. And much like China is doing, where they're ranking you based on your social value, they would do the same thing in the film. And then they would target you to be eliminated.
1: I love it. Can I see the whole movie?
0: Yeah, yeah, it's not officially launched yet, but I'll definitely give you the inside peek there. And also just so Thanks. everybody that's listening, if you're listening to this right now and you're not on my my list, my mailing list, like go to my go to jeffdolan.com, get on the mailing list and I'm going to send you a sneak peek preview of the movie so you can see it. If you're not on my mailing list, you'll just have to wait. So that's my little disclaimer on that but yeah the film is basically about this girl that is in this environment in this dystopian future and she has figured out a way to have this formula that doesn't allow the nanotech to clot and so she's able to uh, Mm -hmm. figure out through a friend that her and her friend or her little group of friends have figured out that they only trigger you to to clot you and kill you at certain intervals yeah and so right before these intervals happen she she injects this serum into her blood that that declots it and doesn't allow it to clot. So she's not dying. And the yeah. agents are after her, like f- trying to figure out like, why is this one not dying? <laughs> and so uh, they're systematically like killing off her family and, and she's she figures out how to survive. So that's what the story is about. And that's kind of the world that it's in. Yeah. Now getting back to your danger question, it started off as a very dangerous idea. And then as I thought about it and, and through just, you know, the future IO experience with Red Bull and everything and thinking about the positive nature of what that technology could bring. I was thinking like, okay, so if the technology wasn't owned by an evil empire and it was actually something very wholesome and and safe, then how could it change the world? And so I was like, wow, everybody that's dying of cancer would love to know early as soon as it's starting to form, right? Not wait until it's like ravaging your body to go in and say, oh yeah, you have like two weeks to live, sorry, right? That would be really cool to know. And all the other benefits of just blood tests, right? Like if you know what's going on in your blood, you pretty much know how healthy you are in your body. And so what if you had a live app that just had a live readout of all of your blood stats on your app at any time. You just pop open the app and look.
1: Can the app make an, a guess uh, of how long you can, you can live and, and it updates in real time? Like you have a healthy day and it's like, yeah, you have like 30 more years and then you have a sh- day and then it says, ah, 20 years. <laughs> and would you like to have that app? Would you like to know how long you can live here or would you not like to know?
0: Yeah, I don't think it would do that. I think that's kind of creepy, but but it would basically tell you like, what your A1C is, what your, you know, yeah. all your different blood statistics that, and, and there would be different ones for different people, right? If you had certain cancers, there, you, you might need different nanotech to sense different uh, things in your blood, right? If you're, if you're checking white blood cell counts or uh, sugar levels or, you know, I'm sure it's unlimited how many things you could track. but But the idea that you could have a real-time feed of your data And that you could own it and that you could even, and of course it would be encrypted, but you could choose to put it on the marketplace and sell that feed because what researcher or scientist or doctor that's doing this kind of work would not want that kind of real-time data. That is gold. And so in aggregate, we could literally map health. Across the world, and we would know immediately what pockets of cancer are happening. Of course, it would be opt in, and you own the data, and and then I'm bringing in the blockchain component as well. So I think both of our projects, which is really cool, were some of the only ones in the Future IO group that had a blockchain component to it. Yep. Um, I could be wrong about that, but I think we're we're one of the two that that definitely connected around crypto. So yep. Before we get into crypto, I wanted to kind of back up a little bit. So <clears throat> just to kind of recap the, uh, the experience in Lisbon, like what was your take on it? What was your...
1: Oh, that, that, that's, that's a huge question. That's a huge question. So where do I start? Where do I start? What's my take on Basically, it? Basically, I think the whole event set me on a different path and I don't know where it's going. But um, I'm still in contact with some people, especially with Peter Jones, that I did a lot of uh, video calls in the days later and worked on the project. And I think the biggest thing, the biggest thing that I took from it was like a taste, like a a hunger um, kind of thing to really work on a desirable future because I mean, who makes the future? Of course, it's people, right? It's, it's us. And it can be everybody. And it right. doesn't matter how big the impact is. I think, of course, bigger is better, right? But you, you can start really small, right? You can start locally. But just like step by step, being aware. And even if just, just, just like if you're aware where we are going, like as a, as a society or a whole humanity, right? If you just think about topics like climate change, like, just to have an opinion on it and, and, and tell it to people, this already makes a little bit of difference, right? Totally. This, this, is, the, this is the thing that started in Lisbon, like, like a, a kind of a hunger to work on it, to, to make this whole place, this wonderful planet, um, better or at least not worse. Yeah.
0: That's so beautiful, <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I mean, it's so true. When they really encouraged us to say like, you guys are the future and you can make this happen. Like, and the first step is dreaming. The yep. first step is storytelling. The first yep. step is having a vision, having yep. having a purpose. Yep. Um, you know, like having that mission where you're actually going out there and changing the world in a very real way and, and that, just going through that exercise and, and that that thought process and that dreaming process was amazing. And like you said, the trajectory is, is changing and it's like, wow, uh, it's our time now. Like we are the ones that can take the reins and take responsibility and change the world for the better. We don't have to sit around and watch the world go to hell in a handbasket on TV. We can change (laughs) and and so that yeah i totally i totally got that as well and um and i think it's pretty cool that and this is why it resonated so much with me was because this event married both of those elements together film and
1: oh yeah oh yeah changing the world (laughs) yeah absolutely absolutely I, I, i never saw that in filmmaking because when i wanted to become a filmmaker it really was trust or or really about the cinematic experience in cinema right like which i love right and dystopias in my opinion most of the time they just make better cinema right
0: right
1: (laughs) it's the fan scenarios make better cinema right there there is more conflict there's more (laughs) drama right but yeah yeah. i never thought about that with those stories you create an expectation of the future in the minds of people right so if you just make this this scenarios of robots of course Killing everybody, right? and bloodstream tech nanotechnology, of course, like killing people and self-driving cars, of course, getting hacked and killing people. Not that this is not a, a realistic danger, but if those are the only stories that are told, then of course people won't be excited about new technology. They will be right. they will fear them and and I don't think there should be that much fear, but I'm also. Let's say like this, I agree more with Elon Musk than I agree with Ray Kurzweil when it comes to AI, right? I think we should be careful with that. That's for sure.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's interesting, like what Elon Musk did when he actually realized how dangerous AI could be, yep. he open sourced it. He, sa- he said, fine. You know, it, it's kind of like the, um, the anti-strategy to what we did with nuclear power. Yep. The only way to disarm nuclear power, there's two ways. One, control it and minimize who else has it. Yep. And if they try to get it, threaten them with power. Yep. Or give it to everyone. So if, you know, if everyone has it, then no one's going to use it. (laughs) Yeah. So it it kind of inoculates everyone against using it because everyone has it. So, um, both of us had kind of crypto as part of our desirable future, right? Yes. And I think what that was cool about that is we both followed crypto pretty closely yep. and, uh, and had you know some ideas about it. So one of the cryptocurrencies that I really like that I think actually uh, one of the use cases was very in line with your idea is IOTA, yep. uh, the IOTA Foundation, and, you know, the Internet of Things currency that basically could uh, equip a car with its own wallet and allow it to buy and sell with other machines and other people that have, you know, machines in yep. <laughs> um, micropayments yep. on the blockchain. Yep. And so, and so that, that was a really cool, cool uh, thing that we were talking about. And did you, I guess I should ask, did you get your idea from IOTA? Or did you come up with it separately?
1: Absolutely. So, so the idea of self-owning cars per se is not my idea, right? The idea exists longer and people build, uh, at least for autonomous self-driving cars that also can have their own bank account. I think many different parties already work on kind of a, some model kind of like that. Not open and decentralized, but if you think about, did you see the Elon Musk video from a couple of days ago with the Tesla network? No. So he wants to have a Tesla network and he tells people that your Tesla can earn money for you. You can rent it out. So, so he already works on that. But of course, the Tesla network will, of course, take a huge cut. I think, I don't know, was it even 20% or something like that? So I think that's, that's huge. And basically, I think the program that you cannot use it without the Tesla network. So they, they force you to do it.
0: Well, I mean, that's similar to all, you know, Silicon Valley type tech companies, right? Like if you're part of the Apple ecosystem, they take their cut. If you're part of Amazon, they take their cut. Yeah. Netflix, you know, it's all all the same, right? Network. If you own the platform, you get a cut. So yeah. credit cards have been doing it forever. Yeah. <laughs> so that I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised on that. But the cool thing about crypto is it's a it's a public blockchain, and Iota specifically yep. is is no fees. Yep. And so you get in a situation where you can transfer value without any fees. Yep. Because you don't have miners. You you don't you don't need people to mine the coin to put transactions together, and. In the IOTA world, when you're talking about a blockchain, it's not it's not a traditional blockchain, nope. right? It's, it's called a DAG, which is a directed acyclic graph, which is basically just saying that every transaction uh, that you make, you actually have to resolve two other ones, yep. and so everybody in the network that makes a transaction is actually doing the work to build the quote unquote blockchain or DAC. Yeah. And so it's a very innovative new way. Uh, I think it's a next generation way, uh, yeah. future way of doing blockchain.
1: So here's my opinion on it. So, so what I love is that I, I love IOTA in theory, right? In theory, what they want to accomplish if it works like that sounds great because the scalability is basically the opposite of a blockchain, right? The more people use the Tangle, um, the more full the, the more users validate other transactions. So the scalability will increase with more people getting on. So now is the hard part where right. we don't have enough transactions and users. But like if everybody would use it, this would be a awesome system, right? It would be super fast.
0: Yep. I'm not worried about that though, because the IOTA Foundation's not even really worried about that, because that'll take care of itself yep. when you have real-world use cases, yep. right? Because when you have microtransactions, even if several companies start doing it with cars or yep. or, or machinery sensors, or I mean. You just get a couple companies doing it at a massive scale, and it'll yeah. run the network. So, I mean, it's super early, man. I feel like we're in like 1990, you know, six when it comes to the the internet uh, maturation. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of we're in the infancy stages of crypto. And so, I mean, gosh, in 2009, when Satoshi came out with his white paper, I read it and I was like, man, if they could pull that well, off, you
1: read the white paper in 2009.
0: Yes. Really? And I just followed it. I didn't wait, 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 do wait. anything about so, so it. So <laughs> you,
1: you know about Bitcoin since 2009. Don't
0: Don't don't even remind me, man. I could have been like a <laughs> multi-multi-multi-millionaire. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> I don't even want to talk about that because uh, that's, that's just That's, painful. that's a dark um,
1: chapter of your life. Okay, <laughs> I understand.
0: <laughs> you know, because at the time in America, th- this was an, an answer almost to... The, uh, the 99% movement, yep. which was uh, against Wall yep. Street and against the yep. banks. And uh, it was a very uh, strong answer to solve a lot of the issues that were going on. And so it was it was almost like a novelty at the time where it was like, oh, that's, that's kind of a cool idea. But again, a, a very in-the-cloud sci-fi kind of future, like, okay, yeah, ideally, but good luck with that you know i mean it's the same arguments with the internet i mean i I honestly it's embarrassing but in college i had a professor say oh so you want to do this internet thing well that's just a fad okay and i literally just looked at him and i was like oh my you have no clue and of course he was he was over 65 i mean he must have been you know he so so i mean that was the that's and that still is a very natural reaction to crypto. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, that'll, you know, it's already crashed. It's already a fad. It's already over. Like, whatever.
1: Most people really have no idea how it works. Like, like zero idea. Like exactly. Most people, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> ah, can I just say a couple of things to you, IOTA? So, so, the first thing is, I don't think it's for free because everybody who sends a transactions has to do some kind of proof of work and proof-of-work costs money because electricity so it's the costs are hidden but i would not call it being for free and i don't think any decentralized system can be free it cannot be even in eos where you have no transaction cost there would be so much inflation that you could argue that you pay with the inflation of the five percent or what it is in eos the second thing is decentralization about iota we still have the coordinator which makes the system very centralized, and if it's central, if if a, if a blockchain or a tangle system is centralized, uh, I think there is not really that much use for it, because that's what we want. We want decentralization. If we don't want to have that, we can just have a company, right? Just have a company, trust a company, have one laptop, have one mobile phone it can validate 100,000 transactions per second if it's just one laptop, right?
0: Right, but but those are, in my mind, those are arguments that you could have made about the internet, right? Like when I first got Prodigy email address, it was like, great, you have this email address, who are you gonna email? Like no one, because you don't know anyone else that has an email. It, It needs the network effect to make it useful. And, and so when you're early on and there's not oh, yeah. many nodes and it's kind of centralized, yep. of course that that's a problem, yep. right? Like, of course. Yep. But but over time, you would hope that yep. people like us that have real ideas are going to implement the technology and, and make it useful yep. enough to where people say, you know what? It might be kind of crazy, but I'm going to use it. I'm going to try it, and I'm going to get my friends to use it. I'm going to tell other people about it, and it's going to be awesome. And then that's the platform, and then everybody starts yep. rolling with it. So, yeah, I, no. I, I'm not worried about it because ultimately, I mean, all this blockchain and crypto and all this, in my mind, it's inevitable. It's an inevitable category of life. Like it's going to happen. Is it going to be, you know, Bitcoin or, or IOTA or uh, Cardano or, uh, you know, Stellar Lumens or like whatever it's going to be, right? Yeah. It, something, it's going to be something. And I think even people that hate, even, even people yeah, that yeah. hate on blockchain, like even people that hate on, uh, I'm sorry, like Bitcoin as currency, they'll always check their their comment with, but blockchain is a good idea.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I, I don't agree necessarily with that. So I, I had this phase also like blockchain, not Bitcoin, what else can we do? But like, what, what are the advantages of a blockchain? Right, what, what do we need a blockchain for? I think it's for immutability, right? That you cannot change it, right? This is, this is, it's censorship resistance, nobody can censor it. And what's the third? Yeah, and you cannot debase the money, right? Censorship resistance. And yeah, unco- for, for some people that it's not, uh, how do you say? Unconfiscatable, unconfiscatable money, right? But if the blockchain has, is, is not secure enough, right? If it's not the Bitcoin blockchain, right? If you have a small blockchain, then it's easier to do a 51% attack. So then we don't, then all the arguments of immutability, they don't count anymore. So I am not sure if we need that many blockchains. I think we probably need a handful of blockchains, right? Immutable money and immutable code and and that's maybe it right i don't know
0: the reason for a blockchain is because it's it's a it's an evolution of accounting in general so so you had uh double ledger accounting so if you know anything yeah. about accounting you know that you know you kind of balance the debits and the credits and it's a it's a two ledger system <clears throat> yeah well well blockchain inter- introduces a third ledger so now you, you don't just validate between two transactions. Now you can validate worldwide against the public, transa- the public ledger. So it actually yep. gives you a third-party verification step yep. that is, a- is actually a very innovative new step in accounting, period. So just on that fact alone, it, it's going to be around, right? Because, I, yep. because if two people want to transact, like, and I don't really trust you, and I don't trust your bank, or I don't trust yeah. my bank, or I, you know, that is a very good way to to validate a third party on that transaction. So I think I think that in and of itself is is a very good thing. Yeah. The other things you mentioned, banks and governments hate crypto, right? They can't control it. They can't, in uh, some of them, they can't inflate them, which is a problem, right?
1: I'm not even sure if they hate. I mean, the U.S. they hate crypto big time, but. I think in Europe, I think they are quite open for Bitcoin because Bitcoin is basically so transparent that you can, it's just like what, what they do with the internet about information, they can do with Bitcoin and blockchain to money, right? A blockchain can be a great tool to know everything about your, your inhabitants.
0: Right. But think about the European Union. I mean, you've got a situation where you have a bunch of countries that consolidated together and unified under one currency. And, you know, they have the euro. But then you have the Brexit scenario where they're like, we can't control our own destiny with our own currency. That's a problem. I mean that was one of the yeah. arguments for Brexit, right? Like let's let's have our own sovereignty and control over our own currency, so we can inflate it if we need to. We can control trade. We can't. We're not at the mercy of some other parties that are yeah. going to tell us what to do with our own currency. So the reason governments that are you know at least developed and large don't like it is because they can't do what the U.S. is doing right now and just completely debasing our currency by just quote-unquote printing money, right? Yeah, yeah. They can't do that. And then if the banks and the central bank system can't control that, the entrenched players are being disrupted and they don't like to be disrupted. Now, if you were talking about a smaller country that they don't really have a strong currency, they can move to a cryptocurrency pretty easily as a country, right?
1: Let's take Argentina, for example, right? I think think Tim Draper... Um, spoke to the president of Argentina and tried to convince him to move to Bitcoin because it really can make sense for a government to do that to to, to as a second currency to their fiat, right? Absolutely. Especially third world countries. And I, I think this will happen.
0: The first use case for, for Bitcoin is third world countries whose, whose currencies are just inflating or deflating, hyperinflating. Like this is a perfect use case yeah. for these, these countries to, to move over and use it, especially the yeah. people.
1: Yeah, I think this is the biggest thing, right? This, I think this is the thing that people don't get enough yet. Bitcoin is the first digital scarce thing ever, right? Because they solved the mathematical double spend problem, which I think mathemat- right. mathematicians and, and cryptographs worked on for decades. And the Bitcoin white paper was the solution to that. So for the first time in history ever, we can have real digital scarcity. And if you think about scarcity, what is scarce? Like, what is really scarce? Like maybe gold, right? But everything else is less scarce than gold, I guess, at least that people use all over the world. And with the next halvening, 2020, the inflation rate of Bitcoin will be less than gold. So Bitcoin will be the hardest money on the planet. And then every four years, the inflation rate will just be the half of it. So it will be the most scarce thing ever.
0: Wait, Well, you're using the word inflation. I, would, I think there's people that would argue, and I would argue, that it's not an inflatable currency. There, there's a finite amount of it that will be... Yeah, yeah. Mined. So in that respect, it's not inflatable. But what you're referring to is the fact that we haven't mined all 21 million coins yet. So, yeah. yeah. So it inflates in the aspect of there's more that are being mined, right?
1: Yeah. And you could argue that somebody could argue, yeah, but Litecoin, there are only 84 million and and so on and so on. But there is an infinite number of blockchains you could have in theory, right? and uh, in coin market cap i don't know how ma- how many cryptocurrencies do we have 2000 or something like that so right. this it doesn't really make sense to use the scarcity argument for i don't know coin 1000 i don't know something something coin we only have 10000 makes no sense because you can print an infinite number of coins it only makes sense if you have it with bitcoin right
0: well, what it is is the the network effects of yep. a critical mass of people using one coin and Bitcoin is the first mover, like kind of like mp3 yeah because everybody's using that coin, everyone can agree that like, hey, we're gonna store value in this coin and that that decision makes it more valuable. That's right. I mean, the main argument that I like that I've heard is... It's the gold of the millennial generation. Like it's the new digital gold. So yep. yeah, great. Hold on to your gold. And then if your country, you know, good luck walking across the border with a code in your head and all your money in your head with gold, you can't do it. <laughs> no. They'll just take it away.
1: <laughs> you just remember 12 words and this is how you can trail uh, with millions of uh, dollars or euros right. or yeah. in, in crypto, right? This is so interesting because I read that in a book from Andreas Antonopoulos, this was one of many times Bitcoin really blew my mind. It was like, whoa, like like when I went into the details, how transactions work, that you basically, that signing a transaction is just a mathematical process that you can do offline, right? Right. So it's just a, Piece of math that you do, and then you have the transactions, and in the transactions, there is no way to get the money from that, and just these transactions needs to be broadcasted in the world, anyhow, so like anyway, right? Like right, can be smoke signals. It can be if there is no internet in in your country, that there, there can be um, a machine that maybe converts skype smileys to a bit it's 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 just a it's just a number you will figure out a way to get a number to the internet even if there's no internet and there will be setup stations that convert it
0: this has been such a fun conversation i could probably talk to you for hours um but in respect of yeah. time let's uh let's talk about yeah. kind of after our experience in lisbon we had all these wonderful yeah. met all these wonderful smart people um, just had yeah. our minds blown with all the amazing things that we learned and talked about, and now we yeah. we won this kind of mentorship. Now Smart, uh, yeah. the electric car company, is mentoring you, right? Yeah. What are next steps?
1: So I have an appointment on the tenth. It will be for brainstorming, and I will meet with Smart, and with Future IO, and and probably also with Red Bull. And founder of future iO, he will be there, I think, which is great. And it will be, it will be very exciting to see what's up next and what directions um, the various institutions uh, want the project to go. And in the meantime, I was thinking very much about how to Make the Meet Marty story not to a story, but how can we make something real? So I kind of was thinking if we can make Marty a DAO, a decentralized autonomous organization. Nice. When I asked, yeah, <laughs> and when I asked uh, Sherman he she's quite famous in the blockchain space in Europe, um, and I met her at a blockchain event, and I told her about the whole Marty idea. And she just said to me, look at the project Tierra Zero. And I looked at it, and this was funny because it was very similar. It was about a self-owning forest. And this forest exists. And huh. I think, um, yeah, arts students founded it. And basically, they have the forest. And they have like an, a particular number of tokens that represent depth on the forest. And in the beginning, the forest is in-depth by the project initiators. he can earn money by selling uh, trees and then he can slowly buy back the tokens and after a while when he bought back all the tokens he becomes the only shareholder of himself thus he owns himself and then he can still expand and uh, sell more trees and buy land with it in theory like technically on the blockchain with smart contracts that's totally possible of course the regulations for it like this part uh, will need to come also, right? I don't think we have a law for DAOs yet, for decentralized organizations. <laughs> and, uh, and, but I yeah. think this is so exciting. This is so exciting. And just to say this, it, this, this doesn't mean that I want to have like just everything automated at machines because Marty can be his own economic unit, right? But that doesn't mean it, it, that, that, that the whole thing is without people. There still need to be service providers, Right there still need to be people that work for Marty, right? Marty hires people and pays pays them, right, for software updates, cleaning, and all of that, right? So they need to do something for him. It was after Lisbon that I first realized that this could be real, like a a self-improving cherry network could be real, like in a utopian, hopeful way, right? But if you think about it, If you think you have this um, machine that generates wealth and can expand, like Marty could expand to a fleet of Mardis, right? Right. This would be the idea to a whole network. And you have some kind of decentralized governance systems that I have to figure out. I need to talk to some experts. In my opinion, there is a chance that this could lead to a desirable future. And if there is a way, we should uh, work on it, right?
0: That's awesome. Yeah, I mean... That's really cool. I, I think the the regulation thing is going to be much like in my idea. I think the regulation is a major block t- to it that we're going to have to figure out. But yeah. in your case, I think partnering with a country that's smaller, that has a very defined population that they could pass those kind of laws to try it or test it, I think that'd be your best shot. Yeah, And I think once technology starts moving in that direction anyway, you're going to have country peer pressure. Like we're all talking about autonomous cars and Tesla in the U.S. and how they're going to, you know, have an autonomous network of cars and all those things. Well, you know, there's a lot of talk of people that are pushing back like, oh, it'll never happen. You know, Americans always want to drive their own cars and blah, blah, blah. Well China uh-huh. has now if you just heard they just came out with their own lanes that are only for autonomous cars. Really? Now talk about centralized power. If the leadership decides they're going to do it, it happens. There's no red tape or voting or like yeah. any agencies they need approval from. So Yeah. I think the wind is at our back in a lot of this stuff as time goes on. But initially, yeah, we'll have to overcome a lot of that kind of fear of the unknown and regulation and red tape and all that. Yeah. Well, awesome, man. Well, hey, this was super fun. Hopefully, everybody enjoyed it and uh, got something out of it. Hope you were inspired and uh, can't wait to continue the conversation and the journey.
1: Jeff if I can ever return to your to your podcast, I would love to because it's fun to talk to you.
0: <laughs> Great. Thanks Jan. Appreciate it man. Take care.
1: Bye. Bye bye bye.
0: Thank you so much for listening. And going on this journey with me to release my first narrative short film, I've been Jeff Dolan. And today is Sunday, May 19th, 2019. The theme song is a custom track by producer and now artist Gavi. Hope you have enjoyed it. If you are new to the show, welcome. And thank you for subscribing. If you want to leave us a comment, thought, or shout out, please find us on whatever app you listen on and do so. Have a great week. Be kind and take care. Thank you.